Experience plus problem solving plus creativity equals entrepreneurship. Our experiences and our creativity leads to a solution that we can use to cap those problems. Comey Media Group proudly presents Revelations with Cole Johnson. Welcome to Revelations, the place where we communicate truth to power. I am Cole Johnson, and I am so glad you're able to join us. It's time to take this interview to the stars. Our next guest is an astronaut enthusiast, and she has worked for NASA. Along with it, she also graduated from Purdue, is a civil engineer, and now is the lifestyle and wedding fitness and nutrition coach. Oh, And she also is a math tutor. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the entrepreneur extraordinaire, Layla Alie. Layla is her name, and this is her revelation. Thank you so much, Cole. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. It's an honor. Well, it's an honor to have you on board. All right, so uh, I will get to your Persian roots in a bit. Uh-huh. But we have, you and I have, an, well, two interesting uh, ties together. One, we both know Angles of Latitude's J.C. Preston. Yep. Good guy. <laughs> yes, very good guy. The other is you grew up in the same city that I grew up in. <laughs> H-Town, yes. Which Houston. is H-Town, Houston. So explain to me how your upbringing in Houston was. Well, um, it's a very, uh, I love talking about this. So thank you for asking this question, how my upbringing was. Well, you know, Houston's a very diverse city and I have so much pride uh, being born and raised in Houston. Not when I was living there, but actually when I left Houston, I didn't realize how diverse um, the city was and where I grew up in. The thing I loved about growing up in Houston was NASA was in my backyard, pretty much. And I'll never forget when I was in third grade, we watched Apollo 13, and I knew that that's, I wanted to pursue the stars. Where in Houston did you grow up? I grew up in Memorial Spring Branch. You were born and reared in Houston, but you are Persian. Am I not correct? Yes, I am Persian American. So my mom and dad are from Iran. And so every time I talk to people, they're like, oh, hi, how are you? What's your name? I was like, oh, my name is Layla. Where are you from? I was like, oh, my family's from Iran. I'm Persian. I, I, sometimes I even say like, hi, my name is Layla. I'm Persian. Like as if I'm Jewish or I'm this religion, like I'm Persian. Right. <laughs> so my friends are like, t- t- you know, my friend told me, she's like, when I saw you at NASA and you introduced me, you, you know, introduced me to yourself, you said, hi, my name is Layla. I'm Persian. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I am Persian. I, I basically the another word of saying it is I'm Iranian. Mm-hmm. Um, but I say Persian because it's easier to pronounce, and it's still true. Mm-hmm. Have you been to Iran? Yes, I've been to Iran. I go every three or four years. In fact, I'm due a visit soon. Dispel one myth that Americans seem to have about the Iranian culture. Well, there's a lot of myths. But the one myth that I can say is we're not Arab. 
Mm. Or Persians, or Aryan descent, or where um, where we we may have the same looking handwriting, but we speak a very different language. And so we speak Farsi, and Arabs speak Arab, Arabic. And I, I don't want to talk about politics and what people see, but in a sense, you know, Iran's a very very beautiful country, and it's so so friendly. And you, if an American were to go there, oh my gosh, they're treated with so much hospitality because people love America and. They love the United States. They love the fact that they see what they see on TV and they want to be, they want to ex- experience it just like anyone else in other countries. That really is impressive because uh, you normally hear the opposite. Uh, yes. Yeah. And it, it's great mm-hmm. to actually hear really a, a firsthand account of a person who has actually been in the country and not for militaristic reasons that you oh, actually yeah. have family there and. You actually have a love of the land and love of the people there. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I don't see, and thank you so much for saying that. I don't see, you know, I don't see military tanks and people, you know, marching on the streets like military with military guns. We don't see that. I mean, I've been to Tehran. I've been to other uh, cities around the country and picked up so many different accents along the way. <laughs> it's funny. And uh, so the, the joke is Layla has a is has an American accent surprise, and she speaks Farsi with an American accent. So it's very amusing for them to to hear that. Yeah, no question. And what's the point? What's the point in traveling somewhere if you're going to put it down? If you're not going to really enjoy all there is to the culture? Yes. Then you shouldn't travel to that country. You really shouldn't. Amen. That's really true. Yeah. What made you? want to go to this university in West Lafayette, Indiana? Well, um, that's a very good question. I looked at Purdue and I fell in love with the opportunities over there. They had orchestra that wasn't a major, that was not a major. So that was less pressure, but it's for fun. I learned about the culture and the, you know, learning about Purdue itself. And it was very intimidating when I went to go visit I was a junior. I went to go visit Purdue before I got accepted. And I even visited Texas A&M and UT. And I thought for a while that I wanted that I, I am definitely Texas A&M. So I applied to 11 schools. Uh, by the time of my junior, senior year, I was done with all my applications, done with all my applications before Thanksgiving. I made it a goal to enjoy my Thanksgiving and enjoy my senior year with my family, especially in Christmas timeframe. I applied and I waited and... To my surprise, I got rejected from Texas A&M and University of Texas. So I thought, oh my gosh, if I got rejected from Texas A&M and UT, that means I got rejected from Purdue too. And the next week, I was on my rollerblades. Never forget, I was rollerblading and I got the mail and I saw this huge packet and on the packet it says, congratulations on it. I'm like, okay, congratulations for applying, let's just say. And I opened it and I almost, like as I was rollerblading, I opened it And I almost fell down to the floor because it says, congratulations, you've been accepted to Purdue University. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And then I like, you know, I hurt myself and I rolled back home. I was like, mommy, mommy. And I was in the house and I was rollerblading in the house, which my mom says never do. I was like, mommy, mommy, guess what? I got accepted to Purdue. It's like, what? You got accepted. You got rejected from the other schools. I was like, yeah, but I got accepted to Purdue. And so I was so excited. Did a couple twists and turns that I've never done that before in my life. And I just, you know, after I got all my letters, I even told my friends like, hey, check out my rejection letter from here, but check out my acceptance letter from Purdue. They're like, what? So 
and it all comes down to really doing as much as you can and having a very holistic approach towards your application. Like definitely as a, if you're a high school student, listen to this, don't focus so much on just one thing, focus on trying to be good at everything and really own it. For me, it was the extracurriculars that I did at NASA, the, the uh, competitions that I was involved in, the the amount of orchestra I was like the the arts I was involved in. Yet I had very good grades. I was first, I was top quarter in my class. But my biggest weakness is taking tests. All right. Well, what do you like about Purdue when you actually got there? So when I was at Purdue, I I gained a lot of things. I gained at the end of it all. What I got out of it was. Confidence, pure confidence and proof to myself that I'm capable of doing anything as long as I put my mind to it. I am unbreakable and anyone's unbreakable if they believe that they're, they can do it. And that there were a lot of moments at Purdue where I really uh, was literally on my knees, just praying so hard and crying so hard because of so many different people who are higher above me at in terms of professors and administrative people telling me that you don't have what it takes. You don't fit this mold. Um, you know, welcome to Purdue. Get ready for it. This is not acceptable. What I gained out of this as well as I gained what it's like to experience failure and then how to see triumph at the end of trying so hard. It's like the, the engine that could. You know, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And you get to the hill and I knew I could, I knew I could, I know. <laughs> and guess what? It is a Boilermaker school. I love trains. So, <laughs> and I, my, I, I mean, that was another perk, but I didn't care about it. I was like, I didn't realize, oh yeah, I love choo-choo trains because I would go to Colorado and we would see choo-choo trains. <laughs> and so I gained confidence. I gained ambition. And I learned that failure is not an option. And I saw myself being able to be another addition to the footsteps of the people that entered and left that school and are making doing great things on this in this world. And I also got my husband. I met my husband there. Did not plan that part at all. And um, he was an electrical engineering student. I was a civil engineering student. And I met him uh, while I was taking thermodynamics, which was a class, the only mechanical engineering class I ever took. And that was another thing I gained from it. I was like, hey, I can also do mechanical engineering too. I ended up getting an A in that class. Mm. Overall, you know, I just found things about myself that I thought I could not do, but I realized, hey, I actually can do this. And I actually can be a civil engineer and still work at NASA. And that was one thing I fought with a lot of people at Purdue. And even my even people that didn't believe me, they'd say, like, oh, you know, you're not gonna make it because no one at no one does civil engineering and work, works at NASA. And then I pulled out my big packet. And I said, well, you know what? This one astronaut got a degree in civil engineering. And so therefore it's possible. Mm. And the internships that I had along the way, the opportunities that came up through Purdue, the study abroad program, the internship program, the co-op program. I think I did like eight internships and in our rotations throughout my time at Purdue. So mm-hmm. and you- um, and you segued me perfectly into my next question. Oh, is it? <laughs> so how was it when you actually got to work, not necessarily for the Johnson Space Center, for, but for the Kennedy Space Center in Florida? I have experienced a lot of no's. And anyone who says, oh, I just applied and I got in, that they were very lucky. So whoever is hearing this thinking that, oh, my gosh, I don't have what it takes. Trust me, if I can do it, you can do it. First semester at Purdue, I failed all my classes except French. 
And then the next year I had to make up for it and repeat all my classes and do whatever I could. My, my GPA was below a 2.0. And, but, and I also had a lot of disappointing conversations with my parents because they started to be worried about that their opinion of me not making it would be possibly true. So with this situation, I saw this opportunity of problem solving. And my way of comfort, honestly, it's really weird. But whenever I'm experiencing this feeling of down, I actually go and watch Apollo 13 again, like the VHS version. And I would watch Apollo 13 and think of, okay, you know, square, you know round pig, fin the square hole. What do I do? How do I make this fit? And so here I am. I'm a civil, I want to be a civil engineering student and I'm not even accepted into the civil engineering program. I'm I'm still in the undecided department. And I said, okay, well, I remember when I did one year um, at the University of Houston because I transferred after the first year uh, at University of Houston. I made this deal with my parents that if I were to go to Purdue, I would do one year at the University of Houston and take as many basics as I could that Purdue would allow, along with taking classes at Houston Community College. And I remember that there were recruiters there for Disney World, for the Disney World College program. And I remember that um, that they're also coming to Purdue. So what, by year two, I was a freshman still at Purdue, and I think it was a 1.43 GPA. And I said, okay, all these aerospace companies are really telling me that I don't have what it takes. I'm going to see if there's another internship that I can get accepted into so I can build my resume. Because at that point, you can't rely on your high school resume anymore. You need to start building a new resume within college. So I just said, you know what? I'm going to apply to Disney World. And I liked, I love Disney. And I will never forget that I did a trip once in high school and I said, oh, I love Disney. I, I know that one day I'll come back. It will be by myself. And I knew that feeling four years prior. So I said, you know what? Let me apply to Disney for the internship. I mean, that's a great name, just like NASA on the resume. And I applied and I had a killer interview. And that was my strength is I love, I do really well talking to people and especially interviews. I'm really good in interviews. And so uh, we, a week later, I got a packet and I, I got accepted to the Disney World College program. So I knew that, okay, I got to build this resume, got to build the GPA so that when I come back to NASA, I have something to show them versus having nothing to show. So by the second year, third year at Purdue, I still didn't get accepted to the NASA internship programs or the co-op programs. And I remember seeing, knowing that in high school, I learned about so many different NASA uh, programs. So many different NASA programs. And I remember there was a program called Sally Ride Science that Sally Ride started to really help boost STEM education for kids within middle school and elementary school. And they they had this program called ISS EarthCam, which was geared towards students being able to take photographs from the International Space Station. And that was something that Sally Ride Science, Sally Ride herself and the program advocated for really helping support middle school and students to really like space and take photographs just by photographs. So I applied to that program, but then I learned that, hey, you have to create your own internships. And that's when I realized that this internship or these this opportunity or this program was only for students who went to the University of California, San Diego specifically. And I reached out to them and I said, um, you know, hi, my name is Layla and I'm a Purdue University student. I really have this interest. Kind of explained my story. And I asked them, like, do you take interns from other universities? 
And my reply, my, I, I, was, I was so used to hearing so many no's that the worst case scenario you would hear was a yes. I'm like, okay, I know. Sure. No. Yes. No. Wait. Yes. And she says, you know what? That's a very, very good idea. We would love to partner with students from other universities. So yes, let's have it. Let's have a talk and let's see if we're a good fit. And I had the interview. I was expecting to hear a no. And the next day they said, we would love for you to be an intern for us at NASA's ISS EarthCam program for Sally Ride Science. Yeah. Dogmatic pursuit of something that you are passionate about. That that speaks volumes. That speaks volumes. Now, you mentioned other opportunities. I'm assuming one of them ended up becoming a corporate position at a firm in New York. So how did that happen for you? So the hardest part was actually getting into NASA. So when I got into NASA, I was like, this is great. I did the hard work. My life is set. My first day actually working at NASA as a co-op was the first was on inauguration day of Obama. Like I was actually there and I saw them take the George Bush sign off at 12 o'clock and put Obama's picture up. It's like to the T. And so inauguration day from 2008 to 2012, I was working at NASA. However, things were changing. You know, throughout all this, I saw a lot of layoffs. I saw a lot of people not, you know, being able to, their projects got canceled. The project I was working on got canceled. And my, my, I was dating my now husband for six years. He was in Indiana. My family's in Houston. And by that point, I was moving and living in three states every year. So in the last, just fact, in the last 10 years, I have moved 31 times. And that a lot of that was happening during the time I was at Purdue and co-oping at NASA and, and just going back and forth, like, you know, three months here, three months there, you know, lots of driving. And when I was at NASA, I remember the day that I realized, I don't think I want to work here anymore. My passion was changing because, you know, I only work off of passion. So then I, I cried on the beach for three hours and basically telling my family that I, I may have to finish my, my rotations and, you know, and, and they also told me that we don't have a job for you either. We don't have any, we don't have the funding to hire you. That was the hardest thing to hear. And so not only was I getting a talk from a mentor who understood the situation I was in, but also hearing the reality is you really can't stay here because we just don't have the funding and you can try to become a contractor. You can try to be this. They even told me to go to grad school. So I was even going to grad school. That's why I went to Portland State so I could extend the time that it took for them to save up more funding and, um, you know, maybe delay the continuing resolution to something that we have a direction towards. So by the time I started Purdue and finished grad school, I was there for nine years. And but in the meantime, I had developed four years of experience working at Disney, NASA and also corporate America, which you were going to transition to, to say that, yes, I ended up doing an internship for corporate America, which was my last internship that I did in college. And I did, I just gave it a try for 10 weeks and I applied. I got accepted the next day. I mean, literally they like, you worked at NASA. We would love to give you an internship on sustainability. And I'm like, well, this is great. This is what I'm studying. So I did an internship. And then by that point, I graduated from grad school the opportunity for, for funding from NASA was not there for me to be hired as a full-time employee. So I got employment through another company and I worked for them for three years. And the last year was at New York City. And they sent me from Houston to New York 
to work as an environmental engineer on a, on a bridge project called the Tappan Zee Bridge. You know, it's just like opportunity when one opportunity closes or that door is no longer open, it's shut. Another door literally opens the next day. And that's pretty much what happened to me within a one week span that I realized that when I found out that I couldn't get accepted, uh, couldn't get the job um, at NASA due to the funding budget cuts and just everything. I saw an opportunity that my dad shared with me about a bunch of companies that I would apply to that I should apply to. And it all goes back to the, the, the advice that I give people is always, always have a backup plan. And I am so grateful that I studied civil engineering because it opens up. It's not so one. So it's not only one direction. There's so many different directions you can take with civil engineering or just in general engineering and anything technical can open so many doors. It's not a cookie cutter this way. And so I went from aerospace to work in construction. So I was very entrepreneurial by that point. And I said, hey, let's start a yoga program. This is going to boost improvements on productivity, et cetera. And they, this is a hundred year old company and they never had a type of fitness like program geared towards productivity in that sense. They had a gym, but they didn't have classes. So we started a yoga program and that really helped my productivity. And then when the opportunity came to move to New York, I already had that that side project established along with my project work. And they sent me to New York to work on the Tappan Zee Bridge. And I still loved working out. And and I was there for a year and um, worked there. And I thought, this is awesome. I love New York City. This is amazing. And I, I, I'm set. I don't want to go anywhere else. And obviously. You work your dream-ish job and you picked up a new skill set. When you moved to New York and you've loved the place where you were working and things seem to be going fine. You love the city. You seem to love the, the company as a whole and you discovered a love of fitness. So all of these things coalesce, but you're no longer in New York. What made you move from New York to where you live now? Well, um, it all it all started with literally at that point I was engaged and I was, so I was engaged and I was still in New York City. My my um, now husband, then fiance, he was so supportive of the idea of me being in New York and he would fly in and we were planning the wedding. I was, we were having a destination wedding and we were, you know, basically planning a big fat wedding. I was marrying an American, not a Persian American, an American. And so I was there working and planning things out. And when I came to pick up my, when I came and when it came to the day that I had I already had picked out my wedding dress before I left Houston. Picked out my wedding dress and I thought, okay, everything's set. I'm going to go to New York City and I may end up staying there now. Like, okay, it's not Florida. It's not Houston. It's New York City. New York City, you know? And I get there and and I was loving it. And I got a call saying, hey, your wedding dress is ready. And I said, okay, cool. And I flew down to Houston to visit my family, take care of some wedding stuff and planning um, with my family. And I got the dress and I thought, okay, by this point, everything's set now. Everything's set. I got the dress. I just need to put it on and do some alterations. I couldn't fit in the dress. Like there was something wrong. Like I, I realized, oh my gosh, there's a problem. Like Houston, we have a problem. Mm. You know, the engine doesn't fit in the vessel type of deal. Like I don't fit in the dress. And I said, okay, this is another engineering problem. Okay, let's fix it. So I realized that the time, the time I bought the dress to the time I got the dress, I had was not watching my health very well. And I'm pre-diabetic. I have hypoglycemia. 
So I have to really watch. I have to eat every hour. So I, I did something wrong. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm doing something wrong. So I flew back to New York and I said, I was looking at wedding fitness coaches. Turns out I couldn't find anybody. There wasn't one of the type of uh, that I was looking for. And I was faced with this tough decision. It was a very expensive dress. I love this dress. And I said, okay, I'm going to treat this like a shuttle launch. We got T minus five months to the wedding. The dress doesn't fit. We need to make every parameter work. And we just need to focus on every single body part, screws, nuts, and bolts to make sure that this thing fits. And But we're going to do it the healthy way. So as I was working in New York City, I was working on the side project, which was trying to get healthy and fit and to fit into this dress. And as you can see, a lot of brides nowadays, they go on a no-carb diet. They starve themselves. They eat very little calories. They become hangry slash bridezillas. And I saw that in previous weddings and friends of mine that I know or have seen on TV. And I said, I don't want to have any part of it. And I don't want to say that after the, after the wedding, I'm going to explode and gain all this weight. I can never fit back in my dress again. So when I got to, um, so I basically said, I'm going to develop a Gantt. So I created a Gantt chart. I made a workout plan. I planned out my meals. I learned meal prepping. I taught myself a new lifestyle change. And I, uh, it was very hard because I, a, I had to keep myself accountable, maintain my composure at the construction site, meaning that I had to look serious and tough and not girly. Oh, it doesn't my trust. No, I had to be like serious. Like no one knows that I'm planning a wedding and they know I'm getting married, but they don't know that I'm going through this issue. So by the time it came to making that final decision was I was starting to realize how much I really love this, this project I'm working. I'm really liking how I'm getting fit for my dress. I'm really enjoying this. This is so, it's coming so easy to me. Like I like fitness, but I like fitness this way. This is a challenge. This is a problem. Story. This is like, you know, a countdown to launch countdown to the aisle. I'm white. The shuttle's white. I'm going to blast off in space and I better land on the moon um, or else I'm going to land amongst the stars. And at least I have some results. I got somewhere. And I started noticing I trained some of my bridesmaids. They wanted me to, we were keeping each other accountable because they wanted to look amazing and fit. And when it came to the day that I got an offer to stay in New York City, I really was like, you know, at NASA, I, I got close to the end. They said, we don't have an offer. And now I actually have an offer to stay. But I, I focused really hard. And I prayed very, very hard. And it all came down to really listen to that gut feeling inside me. Like, does this feel right? Should I stay in New York or should I go to Indiana where my husband loves his job? And I kind of like my job because I'm engaged. I live in New York City. It's on a construction site. But that job is going to end. It's just temporary. And it may get canceled. It may get cut. And the funding may be cut. And so when I got to that decision, I'll never forget. I was, you know, at Hoboken, New Jersey right across the street from Carlos's bakery, Cake Cake Boss, in case any of y'all know who Cake Boss is. I actually didn't know who Cake Boss was until I met him at NASA when he made a shuttle cake. And I was there when they made the shuttle cake. And so I kind of had a seed planted already in the beginning. Like I had saw him already. And then I see this guy's store literally across the street where I'm going to be living in that city. Uh, It's a very small town like Hoboken, New Jersey, maybe smaller, medium size, but it's cute. It's really cute. And um, anyways, long story short, I, I couldn't sign the contract. I could not sign the housing agreement to stay. And it all came down to a lady who was 
watching me very closely as I was going through the motions of just making this decision on the phone with my fiance. And then the realtor walks away and she says that she's a secretary. She's a secretary at the realty company. And she says, you don't want to sign that, do you? I said, what do you mean? Yeah, you don't want to sign that housing contract. I said, oh, I'm going through all this stuff. This is what I'm going through. Like, I, he's there. I'm here. This is what I'm going through. And she said, if I were you, I would get out of here. And I was like, what? This is my dream job. This is everything I worked for, yada, yada. And she said, so what? It's just a city. And New York is just a city with tall buildings. That's it. Nothing special. And it's been poorly designed, by the way, because everyone's trying to go to one point. It's not spread out well. So really, what's the big deal about the city? And you're going to be driving, you and your husband are going to be driving six hours a day. And I said, yeah. He says, and she says, if I were you, I would get the hell out of here. And, and I said to her, I just doesn't feel like everything seems so perfect, but man, does it not sound, feel right. It sounds perfect, but it doesn't feel right. And she says, you need to listen to that voice inside you. you if you... If you ignore it, you'll regret it for the rest of your life. And within 10 seconds, I got the contract, ripped it up, thanked her so much, gave her a huge hug and told the realtor, like, I, I've, I've changed my mind. I, I, I don't, I'm not interested. And, you know, and thanked him for his time and walked away and called my husband and basically was in tears because I finally, finally had an answer in a direction of what it is I'm supposed to do. I was no longer a slave to whatever a corporation or organization was. I was no longer waiting for them. Um, I was no longer, how do you say this word? Um, I was no longer dependent on another company or an organization telling me what my future would, would entail. And at that point, I took control of my future. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we hear the word emancipation in Emancipation Proclamation when we study history. Mm-hmm. U.S. history in particular, but feeling emancipation <laughs> in a job, even if it is great, even if it, it provides you the life that you want, it's a very freeing thing. And you don't realize it at times until you're right upon it and you discover the purpose right then and there. Yeah, It, it is a freeing feeling. And just hearing the buildup to all of this just makes me understand that you discovered your purpose and understood your purpose with all of your with all of your your stuff at NASA and then with this uh, construction job in New York, mm-hmm. it all seemed to make sense. And then you add your travails with preparing for your wedding. All of it seems to now fuel what you are doing now mm-hmm. in being the fitness astronaut. Yeah. So tell me, when did you become emboldened by doing Leila Aliye, the fitness astronaut um, when I, when did I decide to merge fitness and weddings together? Yeah. 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 Oh, when yeah did absolutely. You well, okay. So the thing is, so at that point I knew like, okay, I'm no longer going to be, I'm going to take control of where I live. I am no longer going to do five more years of long distance because at that point, my husband and I were doing five years long distance and six, we were together for six. So five of those were long distance. And so when I got married, it was the, we went to King, I, I went, I flew back. So I'm, he basically came, picked all my stuff up, drove back to Indiana. And then I flew to Houston. And then from there we met in Cancun and we got married there. And we flew back together for the very first time in the same plane, flew back to our 
new home, which was Indianapolis. And so at that time, I thought, you know what? I'm just going to do the side coaching on the side. I'm going to just do fitness coaching on the side. Didn't know what niche I wanted to do. I just was going to do fitness coaching. And because I thought, oh, I can help everybody. I, I like to help everybody and not limit myself. They always say, like, don't limit yourself. Because like that's what I did with civil engineering. And I didn't, I chose a field that was that didn't have limitations. So that was the mindset I had at the time. But I didn't realize that within the six months, um, there was a lot of budget cuts going on. It was election year. That's remember, it was election year. And so I applied to so many different jobs. And I always would get to the third interview and then it would fall through or the, the next interview. And then they said, this position has been uh, revoked and we're no longer going to hire applicants for this position because we've decided that it's not, we're going to, we're going to save funding. So after like 30 interviews and like 50 job applications from multiple different companies, I even had to, to, you know, I ended up never having to do this, but I ended up doing my like first time ever. I ended up working retail. So I went from a six-figure salary down to making only 2% of my income. I never, like, I went from nothing. I basically went from a six-figure salary to nothing. And I started like feeling like, okay, the checks are no longer coming in. And this, I, I need to learn this new, I need to be, I need to learn a new skill. And I need to figure out what I can do to survive. And yes, I was living with my husband, but my husband can't, you know, we, we're a team here, you know? And people say like, oh, you're just married. So you just, you know, you just can take it easy and start a family. And I said, no, I can't do that. And it's not fair to do that, especially if I have the, this drive to work and, 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 and be able to support my husband as well and my future family. So uh, six months go by. Then another six months go by and I still don't have a job. And, you know, I was, I was lucky if I was making 50 bucks a week. I was very lucky. I'll be honest. Like I was very, I would be like, I made 50 bucks this week and this is amazing when I used to make a couple grand a week. And, and then, so that was like a hard, it was really hard to, to, to swallow that. It really was. You felt worthless. You felt like, yeah, you felt like a quitter. You felt like, oh, I worked all, I did all these years at NASA and engineering and now I have, I don't have a job and I'm settling for less in terms of career type of deal. But then again, the mentors and a lot of prayer came in and we went and I spoke to a lot of people and it all came down to, uh, one of my good high school mentors came and visited me and she said, Layla, you always were interested in NASA, but I also know that you did nine years in engineering school, have you ever thought of helping others who are struggling in areas that you're really strong in, such as math, such as areas that you are passionate about? Have you ever thought about being a math tutor? I was like, no, I I can't. I can't do this. I can't do that. And another person said, have you ever, my wedding planner, another mentor, we ended up becoming great friends. She's a destination wedding planner. And she said, Layla, have you ever thought about being a wedding fitness coach. And I said, well, that's limiting myself. It's like, Layla, if you think about it, I helped you plan the wedding. But when it came to you fitting your dress, I couldn't help you there. You did it all yourself. And I know how I, I paid attention to how you did it over the phone. And, you know, we kept in touch and you were telling me what you were doing and you did it all your own. And, and, and that's when I made it hit the ball. Like that's when the light went off. And I said, okay. And I thought about it, prayed a little bit more about it. And I, that was, and I realized when my husband and I went on our one year anniversary, we went to Europe. Uh, it was a gift that we had from my aunt. She gave us a, she's like, here's, I want you to come visit me in Germany. So use this wisely. And so we decided to go to Europe for 
Backpack Europe, London to Rome for our one year anniversary. And as we were backpacking, I was still uh, staying fit and healthy. And I remember, you know, walking with my husband in Prague and Italy and in Paris. And I remember telling him and just thinking to myself that, you know what? I am sick and tired of asking permission to take a vacation and feeling guilty about it. And I don't want to stop working while I'm traveling. So I want to develop a life where I can travel and be able to help people at the same time and let them and help them have this life that they thought they could never have, which was to be in the best shape of their life and gain their health back and being able to travel and not have to, you know, buy two seats on an airplane, but to get one seat to fit in the airplane seat. And just to be a healthy, very healthy and, and having this this life of abundance. So when I got home, I, um, I had just finished my job and retail and I, um, right before I left for Europe. So I knew I, I wanted to become a wedding fitness coach right before I left for Europe, but it didn't really hit click. And the, like the light didn't really go off. Like there was still, there was still resonating in my head during these 12 months of being married and figuring everything out. But it was until I actually went out of my element to another country and travel and to see other people and other entrepreneurs. Um, that's when I realized that I really want to create a life of abundance. And I, I spoke to a lady who uh, was a purse designer in Italy. And she said, why uh, spend your life helping someone else's dream when you can actually create your own dream and, and make it yours and own it and not let anyone take that away from you. And that resonated with me as I want to be an explorer and I want to, you know, I'm a fitness astronaut. And I, I guess the word fitness astronaut didn't really like hit home hard. I knew I, I, so I knew I wanted to do, be different. Okay. And I knew I wanted to become an entrepreneur. So Europe was like, yeah, wedding fitness coach, math tutor, but the name fitness astronaut really hit hard when I spoke to another mentor and on the pot, on the show that I had with JC on the angles of latitude with Sarah DeVello. And she really just gave it to me. I, you know, I told her my story. She was an entrepreneur. She worked in corporate America similar story and decided to become a, a, an author and a speaker and a yoga teacher. Like she went from corporate America, East coast, Boston to writing her book, becoming a speaker and just literally just, you know, ha- knew what my life was like being in corporate America or working for someone else. And when I told her what I did and everything, she says, I want to just tell it to you bluntly. Cause you, I think you can take what I'm going to have to say to you right now, but you worked at NASA, you have all this experience and you want to do fitness. Why are you not bringing them together? And that's how the name, the fitness astronaut started. Cause I was like, I, I, I've always wanted to become an astronaut for 25 years. I've always wanted to become an astronaut. And then I love fitness and NASA doesn't own the word fitness. It doesn't know NASA doesn't own the word astronaut. Astronaut means explorer and or like a space explorer. So the earth is part of space. And then I equaled it out as, okay, we're all explorers. And my motto is I help people explore fitness as astronauts explore space. And so that is really how it started that, you know, that one year from the moment I said, I'm no longer letting anyone dictate where I live and uh, what and when I live and where to, okay, now I'm going to use what I've learned from this journey and help others 
as the fitness astronaut. And that is what I do. I'm a lifestyle and wedding fitness coach as well as a math coach. Wow. That's a lot of hats to wear. (laughs) So, um, yeah, because, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ignore the fact that I, you know, and I, I, I like to say this, I do the math tutoring on the side, but to be very honest with you, the hat, the main hat that I wear is, is fitness. I, I only really do fitness coaching. Hmm. All right. So we, we've talked about your, your passion of all things astronaut mm-hmm. and considering that you have picked up an undergrad and a graduate degree in engineering, mm-hmm. two different branches of engineering, but we haven't touched on your passion for fitness. So how did that take shape and how has it evolved since you discovered your passion for fitness? My passion for fitness truly evolved when as a way of medicine. It was my form of medicine to deal with all the different challenges that I was facing when I was at NASA. I mean, I did it on the side, but it grew more and more of an addiction as a way of coping with all the changes going on at NASA. In in your coaching, do you offer nutrition to them or is it just strictly fitness based? So in my in my in, in my fitness coaching, I I have to touch base with both. So when when it comes to fitness, people think like, oh, if I just work out, I will lose a lot of weight, and that's it. I can eat whatever I want. But no, you you have to incorporate nutrition with it because it's eighty percent of your of your results, and then twenty percent is fitness. But at the end of it all, all of that doesn't matter if you don't have a hundred percent mindset, and so. That is where, you know, I want people to explore fitness like astronauts explore space because, you know, you don't want to think of, oh, I'm in space now. I just might as well just turn around and go home. No, you can't. Failure is not an option. You started this. You need to keep going because that's when you're going to start seeing how easy it is to get to the other side. It's important to have a coach who has been in the same situation that you're currently in. And I say that with such strong emphasis because... I had to coach myself in a situation I was in and no one could help me get out of it. And I feel that I truly feel that no bride should do this alone. You know, the bride herself is focusing on everything else but herself. Considering all of what a bride has to undergo, I could totally understand how they would need to have that type of that type of support. Yeah. Uh, And that type of reminder that. Yeah, all these other entities need to be taken care of, but uh, you need to take care of yourself, too. Is it geared only toward brides? That's a very good question. It is. uh, When I say I help brides, I think of my definition of brides is, is all women. But I help brides who are a going to get married, who are just married or someone who is not even engaged, that they want to work their way up to looking wedding fit forever. So I have like right now I have a bride that has, you know, has just gotten married and she, you know, she's now ready to start her transformation process because she found who I was just weeks before my wet her wedding and she just was not mentally ready to take that on. It was like 3 weeks before the wedding. So I was honest with her. It's like I can start we can start today to make you look great and feel good, but your transformation will take, you know, a couple months to get there. Let's I I do 6 months of coaching. And I also have a bride who wasn't engaged at the time, but was dating someone and said, Hey, I know I'm, it's coming. The engagement's coming soon and I want to look wedding ready. And so 
we worked together and just a couple months we've been working together for almost nine months now. And just a couple months ago, she just got engaged. So I, I love helping people that are working towards a deadline. So to answer your question is I help brides who are getting married, but I also help non-brides who have a goal and I, and I cannot work with anybody else who doesn't have a goal. Okay. Well, it's good that, that your service is not just to women who are engaged and they just want to look pretty for the white dress and walk down the aisle only, which mm-hmm. that is, that is a service <laughs> and that is a need. But it's mm-hmm. good that you you provide a service that's really for those who have a goal of wanting to have a lifestyle shift and wanting to be healthier. That's yes, really exactly. That that's why I call myself a wedding. Uh, that's why I call myself uh, a lifestyle and wedding fitness coach. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Shifting gears just a tad. Yeah. Now I came in contact with you uh, because of a wonderful host of a great show called Angles of Latitude. Now you've been a Frequent guest slash co-host of one J.C. Preston. So how did the two of you meet? Well, um, we actually met at Purdue. We were a part of a service fraternity called Alpha Phi Omega. And um, I'll, I'll never forget the day I met him. He was so enthusiastic. He knew he wanted to become an entrepreneur. And I told him I want to work at NASA. So he knew me at Purdue. And we weren't really Facebook friends, honestly. We weren't Facebook friends at all. Um, you know, we were in the same service fraternity. We were in touch. I could just tell he was a very positive guy. And, but then right after I got married, I moved here. I kind of saw a suggestion of a friend and I saw, oh, that's JC. I know we're at Alpha Phi Omega. And we got in contact in 2015 and he had me on the show and I was on episode 14 of his show. And now we just recorded together episode 100. So episode 14, we, um, we kept in touch and then he had me on as a co-host of his show, which I was very honored to be asked. And not to mention, I had, uh, um, I was, as I was working with him and then working with other entrepreneurs and just networking, um, we really got to know each other very well. Yeah. I've, I've come to discover that's a great ally. So the fact that you, then I've only known him for roughly a year. So the fact that you actually met him in college, that, yeah. That, yeah. That's a very valuable friendship. More years, three years later, I was just starting figuring mm-hmm. out this path of entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and, he gave me some insights and told me like, you know, this, this is the best benefit. And here is the, here is the advantage and the disadvantage of being an entrepreneur. Like, and then an advantage would be you love what you do and you will deliberately work your butt off and not knows that you've been working 12 hours straight because you just love what you do. Right. Downside of it is you can't always turn it off. Mm. So some people can't, don't want that. And so not everyone's meant to be an entrepreneur. Not everyone's meant to work for another company. Um, so it's just, it's a matter of that person and what they, what's, what's important to them. Yeah. 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 The entrepreneurial lifestyle is not for everyone. No question about that. Exactly. As, I mean, what about you, Cole? Like, what about, I kind of need to ask you, like, how did you get into entrepreneurship? Well, I mean, I got into it simply, simply because it was, well, one out of necessity and two out of finally making that decision that I, need to do what I was purposed to do. And, right. and when I kept putting aside and brushing aside and procrastinating on the fact that I had these certain gifts, I have these tools that actually can serve other people. The, the thought of going forward in life, still not doing that really did not sit well with me. So, got it. yeah. So when I finally got, got in touch with myself saying, well, 
I have these certain gifts. I have these certain tools. I should do them now. When I finally became at home with that process, that's when my entrepreneurial roots really were entrenched. Mm-hmm. And I haven't looked back since. It It is like the old school poison song. Every rose has its thorn. Yeah. Even entrepreneurship. It has, you know, there's some rough spots with, with, with entrepreneurship. And you actually mentioned one of them. One of them being, you know, you didn't right off the bat have a six figure income with, the, with your business that it dwindled down to really next to nothing because you're starting from scratch. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But, you know, but, but the beauty of it is you're seeing it, you're seeing the journey of a concept that you birthed grow from literally almost nothing to something. And it's, and, and, and you're starting to see how it's blooming and blossoming all you know, all because of this idea that that was given to you. That you look at your past, you look at your life, and you say, "Oh, all of these gifts and the journeys that I made, and the people that I met, and the tools that I learned were all built for this business." And I have this business where it is meant to actually help someone in need, mm-hmm. and that person can turn to me and say, ah, "I found that person who actually can help me in." X, you know, and, and making money is great. No question about that. Having your independence is wonderful. No question about that either. Yeah. The best part of entrepreneurship though, is there's pain points out there. And I know that my business solves that pain point of someone else that my, that my business eases another person's life. And that is the greatest gift that I believe I could ever give being an entrepreneur. Yes. Yeah. You're there to help ease someone else's pain, mm-hmm. you know, and that's like a really great, very great concept that you mentioned. It's you see pain, you see no one being able to, you know, assess that pain. So you create that, that bandaid, mm-hmm. you know, you create that, that healing. Mm-hmm. And it's so, it is, it is truly uh, a blessing every like, and I don't, and I, everyone who says to me like, oh, you threw it all down the drain. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 no. All this led me to where I am today. Exactly. And just to recap, like Houston led me to Purdue, that led me to NASA, that I bumped into the guy from Cake Boss, that I ended up going to Portland, that led me to Houston back again, that led me to to New York, that led me to the shop where Cake Boss is in the city that I was going to live in, to lead me to Indianapolis again. And then now I am touching base with all those different cities now. Right. And helping all those clients because I know those areas very well. Mm-hmm. And I am familiar with all those different mindsets as well. Financial mindset, social mindset, demographic mindset, and wedding mindset. Mm-hmm. And you really, you know, it's, this is, again, all comes down to experience plus problem solving plus creativity equals entrepreneurship in my book. And so my, uh, you know, our experiences and our problem solving methods and our creativity leads to a solution that we can use to cap those problems. Mm, wow. Now that, that couldn't have been expressed any better. And how apropos expressed in an equation from an, <laughs> from an entrepreneur who studied engineering, that definitely makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I just realized that. <laughs> I didn't realize I did that. <laughs> Three X equals Y. <laughs> exactly. Oh my. Oh God. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can continue this. I really, I really am enjoying this conversation. 
I, I really am. And you are, Cole? I am. But it saddened me to actually cut this short. But I do have a few questions to ask. All right. Now, what is your biggest regret or biggest lesson learned in life? I don't have any regrets because I feel that whatever has happened all happened for a reason. And I, 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 I sincerely believe that everything happened for a reason. So the biggest lesson I learned, is that correct? That's correct. So the biggest lesson that I have learned is honestly, everything truly happens for a reason. And biggest lesson I learned was also to be okay with it and know that whatever's happening at that moment, just tell yourself, this is happening for a better reason. Not, oh my gosh, I can't, but this has happened to me. It shouldn't be happening to me. I was expected this and this happened and I should have done this instead of that. And oh my gosh, you'll go crazy. You'll go, I, I've gone crazy. And everything truly does happen for a reason because something better is out there for you. And it may take the next week, the next year, the next five years for you, for you to really see it for yourself rather than assuming that you did something wrong and it's happening because it's your fault and you deserved it and you deserve a, a punishment for it. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could definitely see that. All right. Shifting gears and flipping the coin a bit. What has been your greatest accomplishment in your life? Oh, I love this question. Oh, I love this question. Okay. So the biggest accomplishment in my life, well, a couple of years prior, it would have been getting into NASA. Now, I would say the biggest accomplishment in my life, I would say is taking the taking the guts and just really focus on starting my wedding fitness coaching business as an as basically really getting the fitness astronaut going and, and moving and helping brides get fit for their wedding. So the biggest accomplishment I had was, I would say I was in tears. It was in October where one of my very first brides that I coached for her wedding um, walked down the aisle and I saw the connection I made with her and helping her get fit for her wedding and how she was glowing and how she was calm and she looked put together and how the husband ended up telling me that he was very grateful to see her, his now wife getting the help she deserved and needed for their wedding. Wow. Yeah. So that, that was when the feeling that I had of like, I feel like I'm meant to do this was was validated when someone else told me that this is a truly a gift you have and you need to do more of it. That mm-hmm. was the biggest accomplishment I ever had. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah, and that is great. That is great to hear out of the husband of the customer saying how much of a gift you are. That 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 is wonderful. Wow. Well, this is the time of our show where I allow my guests to either to tap into their petty side if you want to pass on any trash talk to anything or anybody, but I know that's not your flavor, but if you have any wisdom that you want to pass along or anything, uh, anything other than that, or a business tip or business giveaway, whatever you have in your heart or mind or spirit right now, the floor is yours. Well, I just really want to say thank you so much, Cole, for having me on the show. It's an honor to be on the show, and I really have enjoyed talking to you. And I really love your podcast, by the way. 
And I, I think for the audience, whoever is listening to this and say that if you are a bride or a non-bride, specifically person who is you know around the phase of getting married or just finishing their wedding, I just want you to know that what, wherever you are in your state of health and fitness, just know that it can change. And if you're not happy with it, you know, just know that you, you need to do with someone who can, who has been in that same situation as you have been, whether it's me or someone else, just find someone that you can definitely relate to and, you know, and approach them or, you know, tune in on any of their uh, webinars or any of their, um, posts, like definitely, you know, know that they are really passionate about what it is they do. And some people are, you know, may, may take it for ill will. But I think for me personally, is like, I, I love helping people who are in a prison and want to see that paradise finally. And, and, and instead of dreaming of that paradise is making that paradise a possibility and a reality. And I'm definitely one of those people that I can say, if I can do it, you can do it. You truly can do it. And, and for those of you who are listening and your show and especially your podcast, Cole, I, I really want to gift your audience with a free um, strategy session, which is something that I, I typically charge for that value of time I put in towards my clients of, 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 of around $200. But I am willing to just, you know, alleviate that and put that fee aside and do it for free for anybody who's listening to this podcast. A free strategy session for anyone who just wants to talk and is somewhat interested in wanting to become wedding fit forever. Cause that is what I promote is my wedding fit forever. Um, Academy. So I do believe that everyone should live this life of abundance and being healthy and fit because it truly is a reflection on your energy, your life, your career. And it's just, it's just, it's just a good domino effect. If it, that doesn't hold strong and it collapses, everything else around you will collapse. So I just want to gift you, gift the audience with this, um, with this gift of me to to talk to them and just learn more about what it is they can do differently and what it is I can do to help them. Wow. Now that is something special right there. Well, on behalf of the listeners of of this program, I will definitely take the time to say thank you for that. That is so wonderful of you. That is so nice of you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, fitness astronaut, lifestyle and wedding fitness coach, engineer, math tutor, and all around good person, Layla Alie. Layla, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks, Cole. I really appreciate it. One of the greatest gifts in the world is knowing your purpose when you can actually see how your life is unfolded right before your very eyes. And you know that all of what you have gone through, every travail, every trial, Every bit of learning that you have expended leads you to this purpose so you can help others simply because you're reminded of when you yourself were at a place where you were hurting and you needed someone to step in with something special for you. The word says the plans I have for you declares the Lord are good plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans for a hope and a future. 
The space of an entrepreneur is to provide people hope and a future. And it makes the entrepreneur stretch out and expand beyond his or her ways that she knows. And it makes the future customer feel validated that someone is listening to their needs. Many thanks to Layla for providing hope for those who struggle with math and providing comfort and a bright future possibility for all brides everywhere as they look important for their special day. For changing the world one conversation at a time, I'm Cole Johnson, and this has been Revelations. For more of Revelations, go to Pippa spelled P-I-P-P-A dot I-O.